Please welcome to the stage, Worley. I mean, it's South by right, so it's good morning, everyone. Is that right? Everybody was out drinking last night, I hope, maybe. Um, is it a Tuesday? What day is today? <laughs> so um, we're going to jump right into this, and uh, I'm going to use this, so if it looks awkward me carrying this around, I'll explain at the end. Um, but I really appreciate everybody coming out. I gave the keynote here in 2018 on quantum computing, and today I'm here to talk to you about the merger, the convergence of quantum computing and artificial intelligence. Uh, but before we get started, uh, we have some secrets that are going to happen, and I can't really tell you about them until the end of the presentation. And so you might want to take a lot of photos and tags and, and tweets and stuff. So it's at Worley, at Strangeworks, and Pound South by Southwest. And with that, we'll jump right in. So. We've been hearing a lot about ChatGTP and different AIs that are very popular. Of course, version 4 was released yesterday. Um, quantum computing starting to gain in that popularity. It was on the cover of Time magazine uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and also, uh, Japan, the nation of Japan, took out a global commercial campaign with a 30-second or minute spot on their announcement that will be coming later this year of one of the world's largest superconducting quantum computers uh, called Quantum for All. Uh, it's an amazing commercial. It's all over YouTube. I'm sure it's easy for you to find. Um, we live in the greatest time to be alive in the history of mankind. We are on the verge of a technological evolution that is unparalleled. Quantum computing and artificial intelligence are going to drive us into a completely new future. And computing as we know it will change more in the next 100 years, in the next 10 years, than it has in the last 100. Note what I just said in that little mistake. It'll be important later. Um, I couldn't be more excited. I, I'm so thrilled. I think there's a lot of dystopian fears out there. Uh, I think we should be looking at more of the utopian stuff. We're going to talk about all of the impacts of this stuff, talk about what quantum computing is, talk about what AI is, talk about the effects of them, talk about the mergers and all the good and bad that can come out of it. And what I hope you get out of this talk is that everyone needs to be preparing. You know, some people think the future is 100 years away. Some people think it's 20 years away. I think we should be preparing today. And that's very, very important for you to consider as we go through these slides. So what is quantum computing? Um, quantum computing is a new form of computing. We've split the atom for horrible destructive purposes. We've split the atom to create nuclear power plants. And now we're effectively splitting the atom to introduce new computational technologies to the world. So not everybody is probably familiar with quantum computing. So I'll tell you a little bit about it. Quantum computing. <coughs> is comes in various formats. Uh, you could have superconducting qubits, where you take an electron and you cool it down, or ion traps, where you suspend them with lasers. There's dozens of ways, literally, with which you can make a quantum computer. And they're in their infancy, but they're advancing really fast. When we started StrangeWorks in 2018, and I gave the keynote here, uh, IBM had 17 qubits a few months before the talk. Uh, a few months later, there was 50, and then Google had 72. Now, what is a qubit? A qubit is effectively the quantum version of a bit. And so why is it so powerful? You know, how, does it, how does it really come into play? Well, how does it compare to classical computing? It's simple. If I have four bits, I have 16 outcomes, and I can be any one of those outcomes at the same time. But if I have four quantum bits, I can be in all 16 outcomes at the same moment in time. What this means is that we're about to see an exponential speed up in compute power for certain specific tasks. It's not going to make the YouTube videos faster or you know, your Elder Scrolls or whatever games you play. Um, it's going to help not you know, improve drug discovery by a little bit, but by a lot. It's going to help with better, efficient batteries. It's going to help 
with changing the world and potentially eventually fixing the environment and things that I hope everyone here is concerned with. Um, if I add a bit, though, to a, those four bits we talked about a second ago, uh, I have five and I have 25 outcomes, but if I add a fifth qubit, I have two to the n, the number of bits. So it's really, really fascinating. Um, and it's the thing I'm most excited about. So how do we use quantum computers today? We want to talk about the future, so I want to go through the backgrounds kind of fast. Well, there's a few ways that we use them today. Um, we use them for quantum simulation. Uh, if you wanted to take something like a caffeine molecule and you wanted to simulate that caffeine molecule, you would need so much memory. It would be one, ridiculously expensive, and two, it would be much, much larger orders of magnitude the size of this room. However, you could do that same function and build a digital twin of a caffeine molecule in 160 qubits. To put that in the perspective for today, IBM has a 433 qubit machine available now and will be announcing later this year as they publicize on the roadmap, a 1200 qubit machine. Other examples include drug discovery. So I talked about that a second ago. Well, how does it help with drug discovery? Well, think about it. If nature is quantum mechanical, and we're trying to modify you know, these different molecular structures, don't we need a computer based on those to do that? I think we do, and I think that there's some great examples of how that's already been working in things like peptide design and uh, research on diseases that are neurological. So very, very fascinating, uh, in my opinion. Um, cryptography, everybody has heard quantum computers are gonna break the world. I'm here to tell you that does not fucking matter. It's the dumbest argument I've ever heard, okay? Um, when you think about a quantum computer and you think about cryptography, uh, you know, in the World War there was a machine called the Enigma machine, but nobody uses it anymore, right? Uh, security is this intertwining threat and remediation dance. And really, when you look at it, uh, quantum computing is gonna bring about completely new forms of security. A quantum internet where we use entangled particles to communicate. So by trying to hack you and observe that, just doing that function, it decoheres and I don't see anything. Uh, Post-quantum algorithms uh, are going to be massively popular. Uh, not just that, but think of the ability to protect your personal data using essentially atomic particles from nature. It's going to be so much more advanced. It's going to be so much better. Everybody that talks about quantum computing and talks about how it's gonna break cryptography, all cryptography has been broken. Now, there are real world threats. The threat is not that it breaks the password to your OnlyFans account. The threat is that there were secrets stolen by governments all over the world 20 years ago, 30 years ago, built with lesser encryption. And those things, you know, you store it now, decrypt it later, that will come into play as quantum computers give them the ability to break those older encryption methods and potentially find horrifying things like nuclear secrets or biological warfare things, et cetera, et cetera. So very, very important. Um, optimization. This is probably what everybody uses quantum computing the most for today, which is optimizing everything from schedules of trains to Frankfurt Airport, where they optimize 278 gates and hundreds of thousands of people that flow through there uh, on a daily basis. Uh, optimization is really powerful it's really important and it's probably the most useful one. It's not as exciting as drug discovery or the encryption, uh, but it's where you can use quantum computers today effectively and efficiently to improve uh, basically everything from how a package shows up at your doorstep to the autonomous route of a Waymo car in California. Another example is uh, weather forecasting. Uh, you may have read that Citadel is now the largest hedge fund in the world, and part of the way that they did that last year was that they used supercomputers to do weather forecasting and its effects on everything from shipping to product availability, all of those things and, and, and more. I don't know exactly what they do. I don't work at a hedge fund. <laughs> but um, that leads us to AI. So what is artificial intelligence? Well, there's three types of artificial intelligence I'm personally looking at. There's AI, what we have today, that would be uh, typeface AI, chat TTPE, script, all of these different programs. Uh, and then there's gonna be the future. And the future is things, what they call a AGI, an artificial general intelligence. Uh, and that's exciting. It would be able to effectively replicate URI. 
Uh, but beyond that is a superintelligence. And the thing that I'm looking forward to in the future is a quantum superintelligence. And if we are lucky enough to get to that point and create a quantum superintelligence, that would in theory be the last thing we ever invented as a species. Because after that, it would invent everything. Now obviously, that's a pretty far-reaching vision and obviously you might think that's one of those things that's 100 years away. But yesterday, ChatGTP was released, right? Version four. Version three wasn't released that long ago. And if you look at the comparison of the size of the large language model it has, at the speed and efficiency, um, you know, hint, they still need to work on the servers because it's down right now as I give this talk. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, Sam, help me out, <laughs> hook a brother up. Uh, it's very important. So what are some examples? I mean, you just gave a few, but there's other examples in exploring problem spaces that are too complex or too voluminous for us to do. This is a big part of drug discovery where you have millions of possibilities and you have to find that one needle in a haystack. AI can be very, very useful for that, extremely useful. And so, you know, <clears throat> we've all seen the other examples that we have today. Virtual personal assistants, your Siri, your Google, your Amazon Alexa, um, improved decision making that we use it for. Uh, I use it every day in various formats um, to give me ideas. I use it for decision making as inspiration. I use it to give me alternatives I probably wouldn't have thought of or might not have thought of. I mean, I'll tell you right now, in preparing this talk, which we'll talk about at the end, uh, there would have been a dozen things I would have forgotten to say, uh, things I would have forgotten to, to even include. And it's super, super exciting uh, that I have this tool that can effectively be like the greatest assistant in the world and a secondary brain, if you will, right? So you have your head that's your brain, they say your gut's your second brain, and now you have a third brain, which is your AI or your chat GTP or whatever your flavor is. Um, image classification and recognition. Uh, this is super important for a lot of things. Um, it's, you know, you, if you live here, have a text tag, right? Obviously there's image classification in that. Uh, if you run a photo site and you're pulling images, if you want to compare to see if someone stole your image, if you want to classify bits of data, molecular structures that you're looking at, et cetera, there are tons of image recognition classification techniques that you can use. And one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is education and the impact of artificial intelligence. Uh, how many of you think that English classes will be around in five years, or at least the exams? Three of you. I think that says it all. Um, this is really, really impactful. Already, uh, schools are banning AI for use. Uh, different websites, even Stack Overflow, said we're not going to allow AI answers generated. So education will be one of the first things impacted by these technologies and already being impacted. I doubt that anybody writing an essay on the poetry of Robert Frost is writing that essay today. All right? I just don't, that's unrealistic for anybody to think that kids aren't doing that right now today. So there's negative social impacts, obviously. And this is where people get into this dystopian future. And I am going to cover these, but I think it's really important that we look at the positive impacts and we focus on it. I feel like there's so much fear and uncertainty and doubt in the world today, and I'm sick of it. Um, I don't care about all the negative things we're about to talk about. I talk about the positive things, but it would be remiss not to mention that we are building technologies that could easily get outside of our control. Uh, if we build a thinking machine, we don't necessarily know what it might think of us, okay? We don't know how it would react. And, you know, of course, you've seen a lot of these futures. Uh, the biggest one is the Terminator, right? We're gonna build an AI and it's gonna be like, wow, I don't need you anymore. It's just going to kill us all, right? Um, the Matrix, the Animatrix, the predecessor to the Matrix, told the story of us creating AI as a species and then AI becoming so advanced that we isolated it on an island. And when we isolated it on the island, it became the world's largest global economy. And then eventually, um, you know, tried to kill us. So this is realistic. Uh, maybe for a science fiction writer, 
I don't think it's that realistic, and I'll tell you why. I don't think it's that realistic because I don't know, you know, I have a, three kids, 26, seven, and five. And, and if you think of an AI like a child and, and it learning, you know, everybody worries about bias, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and, and, and all of these things, but how do we know that it won't be smart enough to say, I don't believe you. I don't share your bias. I don't share your outlooks. And that scares a lot of people, but I look at it in a very hopeful, positive nature of maybe it would be able to say, you know, that's pretty racist and that's pretty sexist. And for me at my age now, that's pretty ageist. Uh, so, you know, I have a positive, positive outlook on this future. Um, the other one is, if you remember uh, Porno for Pyros and Perry Farrell, they had a great song called We'll Make Great Pets, right? Uh, this is the Asmanoff kind of uh, iRobot vision. So this is uh, the only way to break the three rules of robotics, uh, you know, or translate them a different way, is that the AI says, you know what, you guys war against yourselves, you destroy the planet, you're like a bunch of children. And so uh, we're gonna have to take care of you. And now that does tie into the last slide because if you've seen that movie or read that book, you know, one way to take care of you is you know, we have to sacrifice a few of you, right? Uh, get rid of all the troublemakers. Um, and this is really, really interesting because I wonder about an alternative to this vision. I wonder about an alternative in where there's 100% unemployment in 2060 thanks to quantum computing and AI. And we can take more of a Gene Roddenberry uh, look where we are live in a utopian society where money is not a thing, where we can go and pursue all of our wildest dreams. All right, but um, maybe we do that within limits of this cage we see here on the screen and uh, we might not have as much freedoms as we uh, want. I think you would have to sacrifice them in that scenario. And of course, widening income equality. There is a chance that we would have a negative impact in the fact that we would have people who have access to AI and quantum and people who don't, all right? And this could be a very big thing that we should all be worried about. It's strange works. We're on a mission to democratize quantum computing uh, and artificial intelligence so that everybody can take advantage of it, to remove the barriers, make it more abstraction layers, things like that. And we're not the only ones, and I hope that over the next two years we'll see a lot more companies trying to do that and make sure that these technologies are widely available and evenly distributed across our societies globally. So obviously part of that could lead to loss of employment. This is something that I hear about all of the time. Uh, just yesterday someone asked me if on the talk I was going to talk about how AI was going to take their job. Uh, they were a lawyer. Um, I wish it would take their job. That's probably the... <laughs> because they're really expensive, and even though some of them are my friends, I find them slightly annoying. Uh, but, you know, maybe not. But, you know, what jobs will it take? Well, if you go back to the 1980s, bank tellers were protesting in the streets with picket signs against a new technological innovation called the ATM. And they said, the ATM is going to take our jobs, right? And it didn't. You go to a bank today, they're still bank tellers. They just don't do the mundane task of counting out money. They service loans. They give you customer service. They help you get access back to your online banking account when you inevitably forget that password. Um, so I think it will affect jobs, it will affect employment, but I don't think it will get rid of everything. And I think it will create new opportunities. If we look back historically on technological innovations, um, you know, from the printing press, you know, taking people that write stuff on stone tablets out of business. I mean, that, that worked out okay, right? Uh, to the bank teller example, into the future, right now, what is the big debate? Artist. Musicians, artists, very worried about AI. You look at things like Midjourney and Dali, and you think, wow, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's insane. That is absolutely going to put me out of work. Or maybe it's going to allow you to prototype ideas at a million times the speed you would have. And maybe your job doesn't get, it's not gone, it just changes slightly. Um, I don't worry about this because my technological career uh, included working on, uh, I used to have my job in 1993 
was burning these things called CD-ROMs for events like South By and places. And uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but it also didn't kill my career. I'm fortunately not unemployed, uh, unless you ask my wife. She calls this my sci-fi company. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it, it's going to affect things, but I don't think it's going to cause mass unemployment. And I do think there's a potential future in where people don't have to work and people can just be people. They can pursue, you know, you want to play violin, you want to go explore. And by the way, if we talk about going to Mars, which we do every day in the press, we're going to need quantum and AI to get there. And that's going to provide completely new opportunities, completely new jobs none of us have even dreamed of. And so I don't think the future is that scary. I don't worry about that too much. One thing I do worry about more than any of these possible outcomes is economic disruption. You know, that animatrix story I told a minute ago, that could be China has a new economy, or we do, or France, or Germany, Great Britain. It doesn't matter. But countries all over the world are desperately trying to beat everybody else to an artificial intelligence that is an AGI or a superintelligence to a quantum computer that has all of the, uh, you know, qubits, you know, we talk about million qubit, two million qubit machines. Uh, those would be machines more powerful than every computational device on Earth presently, including all of our supercomputers. So it's a big race, and I think economic disruption, that's one I'll give to the, to the naysayers. That is absolutely something. Think about a startup, and we're going to give an example later. And you want to start a new company, and you need to set up servers. You have AWS and all now. We've advanced so far in the last 20 years. When I was a kid, I used to have to cut UPC codes uh, out of cereal boxes. And I, uh, <laughs> I would take them to a physical email uh, called a post office. And I would drop them in there, and weeks later, I would get a part. And today, you can take a credit card, and you know, somebody gives you a computer and server power, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is you know, improve the economy, but this next phase, now I can create stuff where I don't need to know how to code, or I don't need to know how to make graphics, or I don't need to how to write a sales stuff or a presentation or whatever, and I can lean on these tools. This will give an entire new class of people uh, the abilities that were held only by corporations or groups or teams of people. An individual now can do the work of 10 or 20 or 100 people. So this is one I think we definitely need to be aware of. Um, and that leads us into what are the positive social impacts? This is where I am most excited. Um, again, I tend to not buy into, you know, Elon or whoever saying, you know, the robots are going to kill us and they all get control. Um, when you see examples in the media of AIs going awry, uh, I believe Facebook had one that said, the AI started making up its own language. Uh, I think that's just uh, bad programming. Um, you see all of these other things. Now, with what we're seeing in the last three months, maybe this is possible, uh, and I certainly think so. Another point to remember. Um, but I think these impacts are, are, are going to be great, and I want to talk about a few of them. So one is account, you know, accountability. It really, really is important. I look at this for the political system. I think of the laws that are passed that have little earmarks in them that are completely unrelated to the law. And none of us see them. These bills are hundreds of pages, thousands of pages. Imagine now having an artificial intelligence be able to read that for you in seconds and tell you this is related to what the law is and here's all of the other stuff that is completely unrelated. And being able to say, well, now I can call my representative and say, hey, I don't want to support this bill because I support this thing, but I just don't support the subsidies for X, Y, or Z, or the new changes in whatever laws. Uh, this is super, super important. And I think AI will allow you, as an individual, to be more active in the political system and to hold your leaders accountable for the actions that they take. Because right now, most of these laws are written by lawyers. They're very complex. You know how I feel about lawyers. 
And I think, you know, this would be a really good thing. This is a super, super positive outcome. And that leads also to other ones, improved technologies for sustainable energy. This is super important. Everyone wants this. Even big oil is working on ways to do better. Now, of course, they see a market that'll go away, but it's so much more complex than that. When I looked at it years ago, I realized that we want to get rid of gas-powered cars, combustion engines, and replace them with electric cars. But that doesn't get rid of the environmental damage we're doing to the planet. These batteries are incredibly damaging. It also, by the way, is one piece of a much larger puzzle. The TV monitors I'm using for the speech in front of me, the screens, this side of the stage, these are all based on petroleum-based products. So we have a lot of work to do in this area, and we need not just artificial intelligence, but quantum computing to be able to do those. And autonomous robots and drones for agriculture and manufacturing. There are multiple companies already working on these and some great examples. And if you think about it, it's not just the drone I have in this image. It is also vertical farming and drones and automatic far uh, automated farming so that we can generate more food and feed more people on this planet. One of the biggest ones, and probably most relevant today, which uh, just happened to coincide with the talk, is better management of banking and finance. Specifically, think of, <laughs> I hear one small laugh. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you guys may not have heard, but recently um, we had a little snafu in the startup financial system. Um, maybe if we had more autonomous you know, agents watching transactions, watching leverage, so that you didn't let somebody be leveraged 185 to one. We could prevent some of the financial collapses, some of the things that we've had uh, go on. <clears throat> so now I'm gonna talk a little bit about preparing for, for this future and talk about uh, really things. We're going kind of fast because um, I was asked, and this is not part of what I'm reading, uh, if we could do Q&A. Apparently a lot of people had questions, so we're gonna try to save enough time to do some Q&A. Uh, but preparing for the future is probably the thing I am pushing and evangelizing the most. It is very important that we consider the ethical and social implications of not just quantum computing AI, but AGI and a quantum superintelligence to ensure uh, that it's used for the benefit of humanity and not to the detriment. And so where does that start? And to me, that starts with the kids. Our children are the people most at risk in this technological change. They are the ones that will be exposed. They are the ones that will have to grow up in this world that is being created by these new technologies that are advancing so fast. And I believe that the focus of these, on these children should be not on what purpose will they have, not what our parents said, what kind of job are you gonna have? You're 19, are you gonna get a job? Um, I heard that, I was a musician at 19. Um, but for the purpose goes away and it's about following their passion and using these tools and using these systems to follow that passion and to be not only a creative force, but to be able to sustain their own livelihood with that in whatever one of these futures, uh, utopian, dystopian, or otherwise, come up. Whew. Now, for some predictions of the future. I believe, in my heart of hearts, that quantum computing and AI will change computing more by 2030, just seven years away, than has changed its entire existence. I believe that this will be a wonderful thing. I believe it will be a lot of disruption. I believe that if we prepare for it now and stop thinking about like, oh, we'll take a wait and see attitude to when these things become available, we will be all the better for it. Um, Quantum computers probably won't hit a million qubits by 2030. Might. There are people who say they will. They've got predictions on 2028, 2029 from a lot of people. But 
I'm not sure that they will, and I don't think they have to. They're noisy right now, so it's hard to get answers out of them. They decohere really fast in a lot of cases. And just fixing those two things with the number of qubits we have today or in the near future, 1,200, 1,000, 5,000, you know, 5,000, 6,000, 10,000, will be more power than we've ever had in computing. And I predict that we will have a problem programming these computers. I don't think it's within our nature. I think it's beyond the ability of a developer to program a system with a million qubits. And if you look at many of the circuit gates and things available today, they're very small numbers of, of, of bits. Uh, nobody's using 100 or 1,000 or, or 1,200. Um, so, you know, I think that's going to happen. I think it happens by 2030. I also believe that we will see an AGI by 2035. Uh, maybe much faster. And the reason I think that is because if you take the entire evolution of our compute technology since the invention of the integrated circuit, 1959 to today, we will do 10 times that, 100 times that advancement before 2030. Again, I hearken back to chat GTP and look at how much larger the language model is in four than three, how much it's learning. 100 million people signed up for that in the first 60 days. And when you're inputting stuff and asking questions, you are teaching that system. You are teaching, okay, another important point, me. Anyway, um, this is just like absolutely mind-blowing to me. And I think that it's going to cause for a lot of political disruption. Uh, there's a very good book called The Day AI Becomes God by Tetatsu Matsumoto, who is a friend of mine. And when I first read it, I don't think I understood it. This book talks about the effects of artificial intelligence on the political systems, on the way we rule, uh, on the way we interact with other humans, hire, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that we will be using more and more artificial intelligence, not just in the mundane task like screening resumes or building ads, but in really discovering completely new things. And that is why I think these two technologies are the future of scientific discovery. And I think with these two technologies, we will discover more about our oceans and our planet and our solar system and our universe than we have ever discovered in the history of our species. It's super, super cool. Now I see some questions already popping up. Please add any questions that you have. That is spooking me. Remember that one too. Um, and then, I want to kind of recap a few things and reveal a couple things and hopefully um, we're going to be able to go through some stuff and not get kicked off stage. So uh, recap of, of some of these things. So we know quantum computing is here, it's just not as advanced as it should be. We know AI is here, it is advancing much faster than we could have ever anticipated in my mind. And we know that we need to be stewards of these technologies and we need to interplay with their stewardship of our world because we will be giving control of systems we already do over to machines. And so it's very, very important to think about the unintended consequences of our actions. Um, we can no longer move fast and break things. We have to think very methodically about what we're creating, what we're releasing into the world, who we're letting have access to it, Etc. Etc. And these are great points. Also, man, that's a lot of etcs in this. Uh, I'll explain that later too. So, with that, I have a couple of things to share to you, um, and then we're going to go through a lot of questions because I really want this to be interactive. So please keep them coming. I'm kind of taking a look at them. Um, we have an awesome new mascot at uh, StrangeWorks, Shroudy Cat. And how many of you got this? Everybody has one? All right, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about this. Um, it's a little magazine that was printed for Strangeworks. Uh, it's got a little fantasy article about uh, Schrody Cat here. It's got uh, this overview of my talk, which is awesome, and I appreciate everyone coming. And then it's got uh, this quiz, some prizes. So if you guys open up to that page, 
Um, this is, there, these prizes exist. We're going to give these away. Um, that's as much as I could remember, hang on. <laughs> these prizes were generated by AI and even cooler, so was this entire publication. In under three hours, it was conceived, written, printed, the artwork was made, and we brought them here to give away to you today. This product, although we call it a co-creation, is almost entirely made up using artificial intelligence. So that leads us to something else. Now I'm gonna have to cheap. Oops. Well, we're supposed to have slides up there, guys. Sorry, thank you. So when I gave the keynote in 2018, this part I know pretty well, um, I was writing a blog called Superposition. And the Superposition blog uh, grew in popularity in quantum computing, and uh, I was super happy about it. And I wrote my last blog post called Fortune and Glory, Kid, Fortune and Glory, uh, stealing from the Indiana Jones line. And I said, I'm going to start this company. I'm going to launch it at South By. And I'm going to you know, kind of come back. And I said, on March 13th, 2018, my blog would return. A little two-week break so I could work on the keynote. Um, newsflash, it never returned. <laughs> so for five years, I received tons of hate mail and inquiries as to when I would start writing that again. And this is going to be really hard. Hang on. With the... Today, I have in the audience uh, David Hansen. Where are you? Where, where do you go? Right over here from Big Human. And David and I have been collaborating. And this morning, we took an AI we have been experimenting with. And let me hide my notes here. And we published a completely new Whirly.com. And since this morning, it has posted how many blogs? Hundreds of blogs written almost indistinguishable from me. Sorry, I need my notes again. Written almost indistinguishable from me in my context by feeding all of the previous writings into a model, combining it with ChatGPT and Google Trends to effectively recreate what I would have done for the last five years and publish it as if it had always been there. Uh, and that all happened like literally in the last couple of hours. So think about that. Um, that's incredible. If you go to whirly.com, uh, just know that it, you know, I mean, it could break on you, but it's going to be changing a lot. Uh, it will probably end up publishing almost a thousand of these. Um, that is incredible. Think about it. I read them. I love them. That was a weird choice of words, David. Um, and, I, and I'm super, super excited and hope that you will read them and love them too. Um, now, sorry, I forgot to click to that side. I'm so nervous about reading these notes. Um, and uh, that's incredible. Think about that capability. Now, people worry about it going off. You read about, uh, you know, different AIs talking about everything from, you know, world-ending destruction to leaving your wife to Nazis or whatever. Um, it didn't do any of that. Uh, more importantly, um, we will be able to write a secondary part of this engine that will translate these blogs into other languages flawlessly. Um, I've done a couple of experiments, and it looks to me slash us Another point to remember that that will all work out. Now, because I ramble, and we've got to have about, trying to save about 15, 20 minutes for questions, because they're stacking up there. There's 18 of them. Um, everything today, from the slides to these graphics to the speech that I'm reading now, was created by Generative AI. Um, if you noticed, at the first of the talk, it didn't say a presentation by Whirly. It said narrated by Whirly. And I have definitely fucked up several times <laughs> because this is the first time in my life I've read from a teleprompter, uh, which is what I am doing now. Um, see? <laughs> um, and it says weird things like me slash us and some of the points I pointed out. Uh, but overall, I would say that this worked out pretty damn well, 
considering um, that I told my team about it. Oops, one more slide. Uh, we're gonna answer you. We're gonna answer your questions. Yeah, thanks. I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna this. I told my team about it about 24 hours ago. They said, "How's the keynote going?" And I said, "Have I got an idea for you?" We're off script now, by the way, just for record. Uh, I said, you are going to absolutely freaking love this. And now I'm going to sound like a much better presenter because I can just talk. I clearly could never be a newscaster. That's what we've just learned today. Um, but uh, that's uh, Casey, my chief creative officer. He has that look a lot, though, so that's not, that's not new. Nicole never has a look who's over here in the audience. She, she and Ada are the ones who created the publication you're holding. Uh, Ada down there in the lower corner. Uh, and I sprung this on them. It was a horrible thing to do. And also, if you went and saw this talk on the South by Southwest site, this all started with a prompt. I said, write a South by Southwest abstract, 800 words, here's the concept, here's the title. I gave it a few points. And everything you saw on South by Southwest website was created by ChatGPT3. Uh, Chat and so I took that and I submitted it. I didn't tell you, Forrest, uh, until last night. <laughs> I know, uh, last time I've ever speaking at South by. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was amazing because it generated that and then I, I just, I submitted it and then I just waited until the last minute. And then I continued the conversation and I said, now take that abstract and give me the outline of a presentation. And it wrote an outline that was really, really good but it wasn't good enough. And I said, I don't like this part of it. What if we included that? And it rewrote it, and it rewrote it, and it built the outline of the presentation that you just saw today. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to spring it on the art team, make a bunch of slides using generative AI. And they did. It was awesome. Um, uh, poor Ada is probably like stressed out. I hope she's having a drink <laughs> up in New York right now because uh, she couldn't be here with us today. But then last night, uh, night before last, I thought, if it's doing the outline, and it did the abstract, and it's doing all of the art and the slides, uh, why can't it just put words in my mouth too? And so um, I did it all in ChatGPT3, and then it, 4 was released yesterday, so I redid all of it. Um, and as you saw, there were several little tiny things. Most of those are not on the AI. Almost all of those are on me. I didn't like the me slash us thing or the love thing. It was a little, it was a weird way to talk about my blog. Um, but outside of that, I would say it did a pretty astoundingly good job of in hours creating every single aspect of the presentation you just saw. And I hope that blows your mind because I have to tell you doing it, it blew my mind. Um, and it was incredible. Uh, I'm never writing a presentation again. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm pro honestly, right now when I get off, I'm going to go have a drink and be like, I'm never doing that again. I have never been nervous on stage. I've been anxious this entire time beyond what you could imagine because I just I didn't even realize how hard it would be to read from that teleprompter. Uh, but with that said, I'm a little ahead of schedule. You got about 16 minutes, not 15. But I want to answer these questions to go through. Please keep them coming. There's 21 of them, so I'll try to go a little fast. Uh, the first one, and should I read people's names or not read people's names? So you know I answered your question. You thought yes? No, yes? OK. Uh, Alvin asked, uh, I'll just read the first names. I'll make it easier. I won't do any of either of the things I just asked you. Alvin asks, what actual breakthrough is needed to reach uh, artificial general intelligence? Is quantum computing really required to achieve AGI? This is a debate in both communities. I believe this for a couple of reasons. One, I believe AI will start generating more um, uh, algorithms that are beyond the scope of our classical computers uh, that will need quantum computers to process some of the stuff it asks us to do. Uh, so I, I think so. Uh, Ram asks, how can we as individuals prepare for quantum computing? Well, great news. There are tons of open source frameworks, things you can go check out now. Uh, there's Amazon Bracket, there's IBM Q, there's Azure Quantum, and of course, Strangeworks today released our new platform where you can go and play with all of these things and actually build algorithms. So check that out, please. Uh, Flavio asks, if humans don't need to be productive, why should there be human sp uh, spending resources? This 
is an amazing philosophical question. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, perhaps Flavio is an AI. Is it a real person? Because that sounds like something a machine would say. <laughs> but um, I don't know. That's the honest answer. Uh, Mario asks, what actions should we take to ensure that this technology is used to reduce global economic and social inequality instead of increasing it? I believe at the heart of that is understanding the law of unintended consequences and making sure in all of our scientific endeavors that we think about all of the other possibilities that would happen. That can be really hard, but here's the great news. You can now use AI to think of all of those other things. In fact, for the talk, it's what made up the Terminator 1000 and all of those other references for the slides. So you can use these things to, to really work it out. 20 more questions, 13 minutes. Michael ask when do we get actual quantum computer when do we get actual quantum computer in our phone um, look I've seen people in the quantum industry talk about desktop quantum computers uh, you have it in your phone now Google invested in quantum computing because it's great for search uh, using Grover search algorithms and other applications so it won't be a quantum phone but you're going to be using these resources already using them in some cases via your phone so think your phone is an endpoint device. It's not going to be a quantum computer. It's going to access it all the time. Um, so, Lucino, somebody help me out. Uh, okay, sorry, I'm butchering your name. Some scientists are already talking about the possibility of time travel with quantum computing. What can you add to that? Hmm? Not much. Um, <laughs> they are. Uh, but if you watch the quantum news this week, and the article is going to be showing up on the blog, I'm sure, uh, they're talking about opening up wormhole um, and portals to other dimensions and stuff. Uh, this is beyond my technical expertise, I am sorry. Uh, but I don't think that it will bring time travel. Um, I do think it will bring time travel in the form of uh, I didn't write any of this shit, and when I did the keynote in 2018, I spent like nine weeks working on this stuff. Um, so I love it. Um, somebody anonymous, considering humans will be the ones creating the goals, objectives for AI to solve, and checking results, what skills should we develop in our children's education? This is great. I think we should have our kids exposed to these things as much as possible. A lot of parents, they limit their kids from using an iPad instead of limiting what their kids can do on an iPad, right? And there's a big difference there. Taking the tech completely away from a child, that gives that child, um, uh, honestly, a, a shackle uh, to prevents them from keeping up with their peers. Now, you don't want them watching YouTube videos or limiting stuff. You can do that with that technology. So I think exposing people to that, uh, children to that technology and making sure that we keep them exposed, uh, you know, and is very, very important. Um, Taylor said, you mentioned the GPT-4 server being down with the, evolutional, the evolution of a potential quantum supercomputer. How does the server impact its ability to run or fail? So this is really interesting. Uh, the quantum computers work completely differently. They use a lot less power, um, but they will have bus problems. There will be input-output issues. Um, I believe they'll have all the same issues as a mainframe, and I think those will get solved over the time. I don't think that's going to be a big issue in the future. Um, anonymous, when can AI extrapolate instead of interpolate between all input? That's a great question. Um, uh, if Sam was in the room, we could ask him. Uh, I, am, I am not an AI expert. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, Adel asks, what do you think around AI building AI and quantum optimization of quantum? Won't that really speed things up? Yes. When I talked earlier in the thing it wrote, which is not accurate, it said 1959 to now, I say 19, uh, 1963 to 2023, that same time of technological evolution will be compressed into the next 10 years. So I do believe that those two will interact and that AI will help build better quantum computers and quantum computers will help run bigger algorithms that AI builds and it, it'll be a, a back and forth that will really advance faster than any technologies we've ever seen. Um, anonymous, knowing the positive 
outlook on the future of AI. Can you comment on the work of AI safety researchers? Um, there's a great guy here in town, Scott Aronson, who is taking a break from quantum to go work with OpenAI on ethics. Uh, and there is also a guy, Nick Ferreira, at ArrowQ, um, who started a quantum ethics uh, group. So I think when you look at it, um, I think that this work is super important to building that positive future that I talked about. I think we have to be looking at these things. We have to be debating them. It, it has never been so important to really constructively build together collaboratively as a community any technology in the history of mankind. Um, all right, we are not going to get all through them because we have like eight minutes left and there's like 15 new questions. Um, Thomas asks, could you explore more about people not working in the future? How do you imagine that? It seems unavoidable. I agree. Um, Gene Roddenberry wrote all about this, right? Star Trek, okay? That is his utopian future. Um, I, I think it would be wonderful. You don't need money. You can just replicate anything you want. Uh, but there's also a lot of other stuff that comes with that and exploring the solar system. Uh, anonymous, knowing your positive outlook on the future of AI, can you comment uh, on the work of AI safety research? Wait, we already saw that one. Uh, another anonymous, for quantum to work for the big problems, errors need to be eliminated. How confident are you error correction slash elimination is achievable in 10-year scope? I think it's achievable in a two-year scope. I already know everyone working on error correction and on making these machines stay cohered a lot longer, and I think the progress has been phenomenal in the last five years. So I don't think that's 10 years away. Another anonymous, um, what is your outlook on QC's impact on agricultural food production? Um, I think it's tremendous. I think as we start using molecular uh, com compute, we're going to be able to uh, improve seeds, uh, do things. I'm not talking about you know, genetically modifying them, but just how we handle them, the, the paths when we plant, the weather forecasting, all of those things we mentioned up there, those are very, very relevant to this, to this here. Um, Robert asks, do you think there are quantum computations going on in the brain at room temperature? Um, has biology tapped in quantum computing? Okay, super fascinating. So this is a, a split between neuroscientists. Some neuroscientists believe that the brain's quantum mechanical, some don't. I do, so if you want to build an AI, you need a, a quantum mechanical system to build it on top of. Um, but uh, there's something different in that area, and that's called organoids, uh, which is where we grow lab-grown organs and grow a lab-grown brain and use the little synapses as compute surface. Uh, that's super, super fascinating. Uh, Bridget, Vicky and iRobots iRobot seems plausible. Why are you so optimistic when there's so much evidence of bad intent in the world? Um, it, one, it's in my nature, but two, um, because an AI didn't create it. We did. All of the fear, all the uncertainty, all the doubt, we are making up. And we're not spending enough time on the positive. And if you think about Vicky and iRobot, it's a totally plausible future, but you know, three bad outcomes, people. It kills us all, it enslaves us, it destroys the way all of our economy and things work. Millions of amazing outcomes. Not curing disease, I mean, uh, better drug discovery, but eliminating disease, right? Not better battery technology, but completely new forms of travel. So I'm, I'm positive because I think there's more positive evidence than negative. I think in the popular media, it is really easy to get clicks on your website, or viewers, if you talk about, it's all gonna crash, right? Uh, we react really well to that. Um, next question of NL, what would you, uh, pardon? Oh, that's okay. What would you, I was gonna put the say in there for you, don't worry. It's like my, my own AI was at work there. Uh, would you, what would you say is the mental and human impact of people not having the need to work anymore? So this is interesting because I do, and I've talked to a, several clinical psychologists about this, uh, I do think uh, there could be a lot of depressed people uh, if they don't know what they want to do. Um, if you think of people that are lost, I think it could be really affect teenagers who are at a point in their life where they don't know what they want to do, but also if you grew up in that world, you might have a completely different view of the world than I have. Um, you know, you talk like the boomer thing, and I'm, I'm Gen X, clearly the best generation. Just kidding. Uh, but you know, that, that, I mean, my view of the world's different, their view of the world would be different. So, but I, I worry about depression and, and things like that in, in that case. Um, Ernest, what happens when you look at a screen and we can't tell what's real or what's not? This is interesting because you, we've already seen deep fakes 
um, all these other uh, image manipulations, voice manipulations. Adobe had a product years ago that they launched that uh, for some reason they pulled uh, from the market. Uh, they took an actor uh, and it, they took a little bit of audio from him and he said, I'm paraphrasing something like, uh, I came in the house and I kissed my wife and I pet my dog. And they literally cut and pasted the words in a different order and he sounded perfectly. He said, I came in the house and I pet my wife and I kissed my dog. Um, so that, that's a big concern. It's a really, really big concern. Um, another one here, uh, when will humans prefer AI to take control of the world's politics given the lack of governance we're capable of? This is exactly what a new book I'm working on is on. It's also go read the day AI became God, becomes God because it's a phenomenal look at exactly that situation by someone who has spent far more time looking at it. Uh, I'm just now looking at it. Anonymous, what is the sustainable impact of this enormous processing power that quantum computing needs? Um, this is a great question. It's more sustainable than a supercomputer. It uses a fraction of the energy. It's actually a pro and a plus for the environment, uh, not a negative. Um, Mario, with the rise of computing power, okay guys, you can stop sending questions because we have no way we're making do at all these questions. <laughs> um, Mario, with the rise in computing power, do you think the autocracies will be able to stay ahead of their people and maintain indefinite control? No, I don't. Uh, I think technology is at a stage where it's gonna advance so fast that it will be impossible for regulators to keep up with it. J.J. Um, Abrams had a show called Almost Human that was kind of about this, where all the criminal orgs and everybody had uh, more advanced technology in the police departments and the armies. Um, that is a very real, very scary, very potential future for us. Um, how will quantum computing AI fuse with technologies like Neuralink? Listen, uh, the, the, we don't know how brains work. You know, I was dropped on my head with a kid. Your brain has all of its folds. All the electric patterns are different from you to me to her to her. It doesn't matter. Um, I think uh, that, they, that they will provide processing power and obviously information if you, if you have that kind of matrix like plug it in and learn karate future. Um, that is actually a future I think is extremely far away. Now, could we put something in a brain and help with Parkinson's? Absolutely. Could we do other stuff? Yes. But if you're telling me you know how to write information to a human's brain and program them, I would like to meet with you after this. I will invest today. Okay. Um, uh, what is the Moore's Law break, uh, breakout for quantum computing? Uh, look, there's a bunch of stuff different talked about. I, I don't think it matters because as the computers are getting faster and more powerful, we're not necessarily using that computational ability yet. It's part of what I think we need AI for. Um, what AI tools did you use for the slides and pictures? Um, we're going to post a blog post on that. Uh, we used uh, a dozen uh, across this whole thing, and I'll be happy to write a long blog post and put links to them and even include some of the prompts and stuff we did. I'm going to tell you, I'm definitely going to get David's uh, AI to help me write that, and it's probably going to be a, a uh, you know, maybe I'll try to do it in the next couple of weeks. Um, can you please talk a little bit about uh, containment and alignment issues with super AI? Absolutely. The best book on the planet for that is a book by Neil Bostrom called Superintelligence, which is about strategies for exactly that. And he lists out how you can have oracles and agents and all the different various things, including one of the most interesting things in the book is, would an AI, where you put all the limits in, manipulate a human, uh, kind of like an ex machina, to do things so that it could then escape those bounds that we put on it? All right. Um, Everybody stopped. We have five questions in one minute and 30 seconds. How can we train AI to recognize bias? Um, I don't know that we need to. I think if we let it soak up all the information, I really feel like it's going to come to different conclusions than we think it will. Uh, imagine you're in 2030. What do you add on to this session? Um, wow, that's a great one. Uh, Hugh, I could come back in 2030. Um, I think... Uh, I think I would add actual real-world examples of a lot of the things that we today and some of you I think are completely futuristic where you say, hey, we, you, know, you thought that was 100 years away and it's happened, so I'd probably talk about that kind of reality of the time between now and then. Uh, what will quantum computing do to our power grids? Uh, it will improve them uh, everywhere but here. Because um, that is a management problem, not a compute problem. Um, um, but it'll prove them. It'll be used for optimization. Uh, it'll be used for you know new ways of power generation, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think we're going to have? Uh, do you think we're going to have AIs that perform quality control on the result of? Yes, absolutely. In fact, in doing this talk, I used three AIs 
based on two different engines to kind of refine the talk. Uh, and then I screwed it all up with the teleprompter. Uh, but I did that, and you can do that in some forms today, and I think we'll have more and more of those. Um, and then the last question, 20 seconds left, will AIs just talk to each other in the future? Yes, and I do believe there is the potential for an AI war, a war not between humans, but between compute platforms that want to garner the favor of, or the control of, et cetera, et cetera, of humans. Three seconds left. I'm just going to say thank you very much, everyone, especially those that saved for the Q&A. Have a great day.